0: Good evening everybody and welcome to Faith Family Church Wednesday night live service. My name is Marquita Scott. I have the pleasure of being your Bible study teacher on today. And so we're going to go ahead and start prayer and then we go jump right into it. Um, Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to dig into your word on this evening. I pray that my words not be, the, be with the enticing words of man wisdom, but with your power that your children shall receive a word from you, and that they will look beyond the messenger, but look to know that you have sent a word specifically for them in their present situation. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, that they see all of you and none of me. In Jesus' most precious name we pray, amen. And so I want to start with um, Esther verse seven, uh, chapter 7, verse number 3. Um, New King James. Good evening, Brother Malcolm. Thanks for tuning in. And it says, Then, answer, then Esther answered and said, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given at my petition and my people at my request. And so if you've read the book of Esther at any point in time, uh, you'll notice that these words, if it pleases the king, comes up quite a few times. Um, So this would be, in my opinion, probably the second Um, time in scripture that I have been impacted in such a way by just a simple phrase the first time was be careful to obey Um, I ministered that message uh, uh, about a year or so ago and then as I was studying the word when I was asked to minister I noticed, if it pleases the king. So if someone could put that in the comments, if it pleases the king. And so it's commonly used when one is making a request before the king. And so during Bible times, during that era, a law had been passed, had been written that anyone who enters into the inner courts of the king without being invited, you will be put to death. Right, and so that's pretty serious. You can't be, you can't just walk into the king's inner courts without being invited. And so, I want that to stick out in your mind. I want that to want you to remember that thought. You can't just walk into the inner courts of the kings without first being invited. And so, what I found most astounding about the book of Esther is that although God Uh, Isn't specifically mentioned the underlying theme you see that is woven throughout the entire book is based upon the principles of God. And so today I want to take a look at the phrase, if it pleases the king. Okay, And so I think there's something significant about the phrase that goes far beyond the natural honor that we have for an earthly king. And so we know that one of many names that our Lord Jesus has is that he is the king of kings. So he's the king of all kings, right? And so this name brings far above the name amongst the earth. And so therefore we find out that... You know when we position ourselves to please him we reap an abundance of blessing unto us and so it starts with us following after his commands and the things that he's asked of us to do and so the question that i have tonight is what pleases the king think about that what pleases god the king of kings how do we please him And so I want to take a moment and and kind of paint a picture for you just a bit. And so just imagine you're dating, you're in a dating relationship. And if you've ever dated for any period of time, or if you're married, um, you can relate to this. And so for the first few months of your dating relationship with that person that uh, you found to be cute or very attractive to you. You, you, you went through that period of time where well, getting to know them was crucial. And if you were young in your teens, maybe your 20s, you stayed up on the phone all night, you know, just holding the other end of the line. Are you asleep? No. Are you asleep? Knowing good well that you sleep. But it was something about this person that drew you to them, made you want to talk to them often, um, kept you on the phone at all hours of the night. And so as you're in this dating relationship, you begin to dig and to seek um, things about this person. You really want to get to know who they are. You're taking time to weave through the things that they say versus the things that they do right and so then you know it gets down to a point where you know the person passes that kind of rough stage of you getting to know them right and you know this is a stage where everything they do is cute you know their voice is cute you know how they dress is so cute and they're so beautiful and then you enter in what the dating world calls the second phase which is when reality or as they put it, a power tussle starts to set in. And this is when you start to notice things about this person that, hmm, I don't know if I really like that so much. You know, Um, ooh, they chew loud. I I don't know about that. And so you start to see things that irritate you and you ask yourself, oh my gosh, can I really live with dot, dot, dot? And I'll let you fill in the blank of whatever that may be for you. And so you make a mental note of some things that you want to bring up later and stuff you want to talk about. But then from that phase, if you make it through that particular phase, you enter in what is called exclusivity and commitment. So you're like, okay, they're not as bad as I thought they are. I think I can commit somehow into this relationship. And so you, you make a decision to stay involved and to work through some idiosyncrasies that they may have. And then it comes down to intimacy. This is where um, your guard comes off and you're sharing the most intimate parts of you with this person. And you're still kind of filling them out, you know, so to speak. And then you're thinking, hmm, I think, you know, this may work. And then it leads into what the dating world calls the last stage, where it's engagement and like a blissful love. And so if we look at the dynamics of a dating relationship, it's the same when we first meet Jesus, when, that, when we first get that first taste of God. You know, the Bible says that taste and see that the Lord is good. And so, when you get saved, there is something attractive about this God, this Lord Jesus, that He likes an imperfect person like me. And so, you are running hard after God. You're doing everything you can to find out about Him. And you go through these different stages, you know, and reality starts to set in after you are attracted to the Lord, you're excited about Him, and then you know, some things in life start to happen where you're dealing with some circumstances. And so this love affair thing that you have with, with the Lord, you don't wanna give it up, but you like, this is a lot to deal with what I, what, what I have going on in life. And so this is when you make a decision, do I give this up or do I hang on to it and find out how can this relationship help me deal with this? And so you begin to, keep that relationship with the Lord, and then trying to figure out your circumstances. So when you make it past that stage, you've made a commitment to the Lord. This is when the zeal starts to fizzle out. Those high emotions that you have about the Savior begins to fizzle out. And things in life start to happen. You start to experience some things. And so you have to work a little harder beyond your Feelings beyond the emotional highs and lows of being in a relationship with the Lord and press on in into that, that level of intimacy where regardless of if you feel like praying in the morning, you get up to pray because you know the frequency of your relationship is dependent upon it. And so when you pass that level, you get off into the level of engagement where the bliss of love begin to happen. And so I want to tonight just kind of throw a fire, some coal on your fire to kind of rekindle that love that you have for the Lord in a different way. And so I will set this example before you. So when Pastor and I were dating, I found out that he really liked cheesecake, okay? And so I fixed a really great dinner. Now, mind you, when we first met, I was not into baking. It wasn't my thing. I would not have professed to be a baker in any regard. And we, I made this great dinner and then I made a no-bake cheesecake, okay? Yes, you heard it correctly. I made a no-baked cheesecake. And mind you, that was the only thing I was known for making in my family, not for cakes or cookies or pies or anything of the sort. No-baked cheesecake, okay? Cool Whip cream cheese and some flavoring, some other stuff. And people liked it, okay? And I remember pulling this out and Pastor looked at it and he said, that's not a cheesecake. And I say, well, um, it's the kind that I know how to make. He say, no wonder the oven is cold. You know, you didn't make a, a real cheesecake. And so from that point forward, I endeavor to find ways to please my husband who enjoy sweets. And so I still have that very first recipe that I printed out for a cheesecake. Why am I telling you this? Why am I liking a relationship with the Lord to that of dating? Um, I'm liking it because when you're in that relationship with with a person that you love, you do everything that you can to stay within that committed relationship. You press beyond the highs and lows of that relationship to develop a level of intimacy that can't be broken by life circumstances in any regard. You've made a commitment that irregardless of what's going on in my life presently, I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work. Why? Because I love you and I know that you love me too. And so it's no different in our relationship with the Lord. When we first meet him, yes, emotions are high. We are super excited to have met the Lord Jesus. And it's amazing to know that this great creator of the heavens and the earth, he loves me and I'm imperfect. I got baggage. I got this going on, you know, and, and many other antonyms and that I can use to describe what I feel about myself, but what keeps us coming back to the Lord is how he sees us and how he views us. And so when you're in a relationship with someone, you dig through the crevice of their mind, you have conversation after conversation until you uncover the things that pleases them. And so you're on the quest for the rest of your life when you're married to find ways to serve and to please your spouse. And so on tonight, tonight's title is called if it pleases the king and so we're gonna dig through and find ways that we can position ourselves to be in a position to always please the father why because it's important it's very important in life we deal with all kinds of things that will tug us in different directions but when we position ourselves to be where we need to be to always please the father the word promises us that the Lord wants us to be prosperous. And when we're prosperous, that pleases the Lord. He does not want us in a beggly element. He doesn't want us to live without. He doesn't want us to be in poor health. The Bible says that he would, that we would prosper even as our soul prosper and so there's a, a desire for the Lord to see you at your absolute best and so it's only you know perfect it's only you know befitting that we find out how do we please the Lord how do we do that so what does that look like and so I want you to open up your your Bible to Ecclesiastics chapter eight and we're going to take a look at verses three through five and so one of the first ways that we can position ourselves to please the lord is to first obey his commands that's very important when we take time to find out what those commands are that means we're positioning ourselves to be in the middle of god's will for our lives and what perfect way to live than in the center of his will Okay. And so Ecclesiastics eight, three through five and the living Bible translation says, obey the King as you have vowed to do. Amen. And so don't always be trying to get out of doing your duty, even when it's unpleasant. And so here it is. We've made a commitment when we accepted Jesus as our Lord and savior, that we will live a life that's set apart. That's totally committed unto the lord which means that when the world sees us that we are peculiarly peculiarly different that means we are not engaging in different things that makes us look like the rest of the world and so here in ecclesiastes we says don't try to get out of your your duty don't try to get out of doing what you've been called to do even when it's unpleasant even when it seems to be difficult. And so it says, for the king punishes those who disobey. The king's command is backed by great power and no one can withstand or question it. Those who obey him will not be punished. The wise man will find a time and a way to do what he says. So I like the last part of verse five where it says, the wise man will find the time and a way to do what he says so that means in the midst of a circumstance even if it seems like it would be easy to do it this way but the lord says to do it that way you would always choose the way that pleases god because what pleasing god means we obey his commands amen and so I like how it says it in, in the message. It kind of breaks it down just a little bit more. It says, do what your king commands. Boom, it's like right there in your face. Just do what he tell you to do. You gave a sacred oath of obedience. How about that? When you confess the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior, you made a confession of obedience. You said that when I became a Christ follower, that I am going to do the things that Christ would do which pleases the Lord. It says, don't wrongly second guess your orders or try to back out when the task is unpleasant. And so sometimes it can seem hard to follow the ways of the Lord, but it's not as difficult as it seems. Um, Just the other day, my husband and I, we were watching a movie called The Honest Thief. When you get a chance, check it out on Prime, Amazon. Really good movie. And so you had a a bank robber, and I'm going to do my best not to, to give away the movie. You have a bank robber that has stolen $900 million, if I'm not mistaken. And so he meets a woman, and she makes him feel some kind of way that he decides he needs to change his ways. And so he decides to turn himself in. So he calls the FBI and he goes through these streams of conversations. And so two agents take the call and investigate the situation. The two agents find out that the man is really telling the truth and he's handing over a lump sum of this money onto them as collateral, you know, that they will uphold a, a deal that he's looking to make. But here's the point that I'm trying to get to there are two officers, both are FBI agents, both have been called to a specific duty to protect and to serve this country, right? And so one of them comes up with the brilliant idea to steal the money and get rid of the guy who made the confession. But one of them is saying, I don't think this is a good idea. Something about his conscience kicked in. The knowing that we've been commanded to do a thing and we can't do it this way because that's deceitful. So he speaks up. And again, I'm trying really hard not to give away the movie. But as the movie progresses, he begins to go along with the guy who wants to commit this crime, and each time he speaks up about it, but not once did he change his behavior. And so, if you notice, the Bible says delayed obe- disobedience is still disobedience, but he still made time. There was still time in the movie where he made a good decision. That's all. I'm gonna leave it at that without trying to give away the movie. But the point I'm trying to make. There are going to be times where we have to make decisions in our lives. And it would seem as if, if I do it this way, like the bad agent was thinking about doing, and that no one would know about this situation and we can get away with it. There's something about the Holy Spirit that resides within us that will quicken us to let us know, no, 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 no. If we're pleasing God with our lives, we're going to do it this way, which is the right way, which pleases the king. And so the second thing that pleases the king is our lifestyle. Proverbs 16 and 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to do anything but what the Lord commands and he will take care of your enemies. That's awesome, right? That means the battle that we think that we would need to wage, we don't have to do a thing because the Bible says, vengeance are mine, said the Lord. And so the Lord is crazy about you. He's very intentional about his love and relationship with you. But if you do the things that he's asked of you to do, he will take care of of the other things, of those people that may be attempting to try and um, attack you. Because here it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at peace with him. And so when we look at the life of Jesus, he was the greatest example that walked the earth of doing only what pleased God. And you say, why do you say that? Well, in John 8, 28 and 30, it says, Then Jesus told them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know I am he. And that I do nothing of myself. But as the Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. I always do the things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many believed we live in a world where the truth isn't always valued. It isn't always the, the, the way that people would, would to live life, right? And so here it is, Jesus is ministering to people. And it says that, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. There's something about when we as believers live a life that's truly committed unto the Lord, that it draws people unto the Lord because we've done the part that God has asked of us to do. We've allowed ourselves to be used as a vessel so that others can see Jesus in us so they can see the God in us so that they can be directed to the King. And so sometimes it may seem difficult, but when you live live a lifestyle that's pleasing unto the Lord, it already said that he will make your enemies at peace with you and then here we have Jesus' personal testimony that as he lived his life as he made that commitment, people believed in him. There's something about our testimony of how we went through a situation that has the ability to draw people to God. We don't have to have the same testimony that looks exactly the same as the world's. But when we make the commitment to live a lifestyle that pleases the Lord, guess what? Things change for the good. And we are in the perfect position to draw all men unto him, which is what we've been commanded to do in this world. We've been called to be the salt of the earth. And so if the salt of the earth loses its savior, what is the point of having the salt? It's a waste. It, it serves no no, no preser- preservation power to be able to preserve what we've been asked to do. And so we are truthful preservers, and we serve the one true God. And so if we're preserving the truth, if we're letting our lives so shine that men may see his good works, that means we're in the perfect position that God has called us to be in to get people to back to the Savior, to lead them back to Christ, which is the whole point. The third thing that I want to point out Is that um, when we live by faith, that pleases God. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. Did you hear that? It's impossible to please him. That is an ingredient that's needed in this faith walk as believers. You know why? Because the devil would to allow us to focus on our situations and not see what God has already empowered us to do and to believe. The word says the power of life and death is in our tongue. So we have the ability to command the thing and it shall come to pass. And so if we don't have faith Meaning if we look at a situation differently than how God says to look at it, are we really walking in the image of God? The Bible says that we were shaped and formed in his image. That means we are like God in his likeness. That means as in, in Genesis when he spoke light being, The light came. And so just as the Lord Jesus, just as God, when he created the earth, was able to speak to the darkness and tell light to be, we have that same power resonating on the inside of us that we can speak to a situation and and command Satan's hand to be taken off our families, off our situations. And we have that power within us. The Bible says the same power that was in Christ Jesus is also in us and so faith pleases God it tells us right here in Hebrews 11 and 6, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So here it is a double whammy, so to speak. We find out that faith pleases God. And then it says he rewards those that are intentional about them seeking the Lord. And so remember in the example that I gave about dating. That you do everything you can to find out what makes this person ticks what is it you know that makes them who they are you get all excited and gushy and things of that nature and you're trying to find out those things that please them and you try to do those things you like for me to wear my hair off to the side so you wear it off to the side you like when i wear blue so i wear it to wear blue every time i see you it's no different in our relationship with the lord we are ever seeking to please him amen and so in Hebrews eleven five 5, and 7, I love this. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away, so he did not see death. Why did Enoch not see death? It says, and was not found because God had taken him. Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hallelujah hallelujah wouldn't that wouldn't you would that that would be your testimony that you would not taste death that one day the lord just says come on sister deborah i love the way that you have been living your life come on let's just go to heaven he took them up they didn't find the body form, and he shared the testimony that he pleased god and so there has to be something about pleasing god That is of great significance in this life that we walk. And it says um, further, it says that, but without faith, it's impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But it says, by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. And so here it is. I like the relationship that Noah had with the Lord. You want to know why he walked closely with them that the Lord began to tell him things that he wouldn't have otherwise known. And so what a great position, what a great fellowship to be in with the father that he begins to tell you things before they begin to happen. That's living a life of faith. That's living the life that pleases the Lord. So at the age of I want to say 29 or so I got a job at one of the largest hospitals in Chicago it's called Rush I dreamed as a teenager of walking the halls of this great hospital one of the best in Chicago so I got the job I'm excited And I feel like I am in like the sweetest place ever. So I get the job. So mind you, first day on the job in orientation, um, my phone gets stolen, you know. So I'm like, okay, that's not going to steal my joy. Not going to be concerned about it at all. And then I'm on the job for about six weeks, four weeks or so. And right before Christmas, maybe a week or so before Christmas, I was fired. The first time I had ever been fired in my life. And could you imagine that I was devastated? Had no idea what I was going to do. And so um, during that period of time, when I drove home, I began to seek the Lord. I got before the Lord. You want to know why? Because I know faith pleases God. So here it is i'm a 29 year old professional and i'm without a job don't know what i'm going to do and so i know i have a little money saved but i begin to think about you know well lord was my prayer what happens at this point the reason i'm, I'm sharing this with you is sometimes we deal with situations that surprise us that we don't know is going to take place in our lives And we're not sure of what direction we can actually go in or how things are gonna pan out, but God. And so I remember I lost my job and uh, I believe that was uh, maybe 2010, 2011, somewhere around in there. And just months start to fly by. But every single morning when I got up, I sought the Lord. Because there was something that I knew that only the Lord can do. And he gave me a reassurance that he would supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So it wasn't according to mine. That was not a thing that I can do to make it better. But I sought the Lord because... I knew that's what pleased him. I activated my faith in such a way that I didn't know how card notes was gonna be paid, how student loans or anything of that nature want, was gonna be paid. But let me tell you this, child of God, I was unemployed for 32 months, just under three years. And within that time, I vacationed more than I have ever vacationed before. Every bill that I had was paid, and then there was money that was in the savings account to spare. The Lord promised me that he would take care of my needs according to his riches and glory. I never wanted for anything. Not a thing. And so when the Lord commanded me to get in his face, I did just that. And so I'm not sure who this testimony is for, but the Lord is saying that there are some things that he would to get to you, but it first starts with a shift in how you are seeking his face. There are some things that he would to get through and to you, but it first starts with you aligning your life so that it pleases the Lord. And guess what? Faith activates that that role, that position that God has promised to, to function in your life. And I am a witness to it. That not only did the Lord take care of my needs, but somehow I was able to make double payments on a car note that I had with no job. And at the end of that life of the loan, when the car was paid back, they sent me money back in the mail. Amen. And so I never when I say never wanted for anything, the Lord supplied all of my needs according to his riches and glory and so i'm here to testify that when we position ourselves to please the king we are in the great position to receive an abundance. And so pastor talked about the blessing and there's something about the blessing that is commanded over your life that the Lord has promised to you. But it first starts with a decision today that you will obey his commands regardless of what your life looks like, irregardless of what your bank account looks like. And it may not be many zeros after the fives or the ones that are sitting in there but i'm telling you if you trust god if you commit your ways unto him it first says that if we obey him we will eat the fruit of the land what a blessing that is to know that we serve a mighty god the word says he owns a cattle on a thousand hills how can you ever compare to that there is absolutely nothing no plan that you could ever create, amen. And there is no job that you could ever get that would outgive and outresource the Savior that we have. And so I'm here to tell you, when I positioned my life as a twenty-something-year-old woman, not sure of where my next meal was gonna come from, or even if I was going to have a place to live. When the Lord whispered to me that if you continue to seek my face, you will see the good of the land. You will be prospered and in good health. You won't have to worry about a thing. And here it is at 29 years old. I didn't have a job for almost three years. No health insurance, no 401k, but the Lord Almighty continued to provide over and over and over. And over again. And what he provided exceeded the, the salary that I had. Amen. And so I'm here to tell you when we do what pleases the Lord, his desire, his delight, he glories in the opportunity to do for you. Why? Because you are his child. And so it's important that we stay in that, that level of intimacy with the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it, it's important. It, it changes everything. And so I want to get this wrapped up, but I want I want to add to that that our worship pleases the Lord. And so on that long drive home, because I rush is in Chicago, it's in the city of Chicago and I stayed in the suburb. And so as a 29-year-old, many things can go through your mind. You, you can drive home weeping and crying and wailing. But at the time I got in the car, the song, I Just Can't Give Up Now, began to play on the radio. And I began to worship like I have never worshiped before. And at the end of that worship session, there was a peace that came over. And the Lord began to speak to me. And so I want to point out in Hebrews 13, 15 and 16, it say Therefore, let him let him, therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving a thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for such sacrifices. God is well pleased. And so here it is. I lost my job. Why in the world will I worship? There is absolutely nothing to be happy about. But there was something the Holy Spirit was like, sing. Sing as if no one else is in the room. Sing as if you are standing on holy ground before the Lord. Sing as if you know tomorrow a job is going to manifest and i did just what i was led to do and so here it says that therefore let him therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to god our worship is a form of sacrifice you know why because if you come to church on sunday morning and say your, your your morning started off in straight chaos, right? And you come in and they're singing this song and you're feeling how you, you welled up with anger and frustration and, and now I got to walk into the house of the Lord and the first thing they want to do is worship. Let me tell you, worship will change your life. Worship. Is that that very point? Is that that one distinct decision that you get to make before giving up and trusting God? But when you commit your ways to worship, you open your mouth, the depth of your soul begins to minister to the Lord. And it says it pleases the Lord. Because when you're in the middle of a situation, there's a storm raging in your life. You don't want to worship. You want to have a pity party. You want somebody to pat you on the back and say it's going to be okay. You want your friend to tell you 10 ways that you can get out of this situation. But the Lord is saying that if you commit to worship me in the midst of turmoil and give me the opportunity to begin to break up some situations in your life, you will begin to see it shift and turn around for your good. Amen. And so I'm getting myself all worked up and, and excited, but then it says, do not forget to do good and to share. That's your testimony. That's the very thing that I'm doing right now. I am testifying to the goodness of Jesus. I am telling you that when you do what pleases the Lord, there are benefits. Amen. Amen. There are things that the Lord has promised that will come to pass on your behalf. Amen. And so I want to close with this. Um, when our lives line up with the ways of God, he entrusts to us wealth and riches. Amen. I'm going to say that again. When our lives please the Lord, he entrusts to us wealth and and riches amen and so we cannot expect such benefits if we aren't pleasing God with our lives it first starts with our decision to do what the Lord has commanded be careful to obey the last thing that the Lord has said I learned years ago that while people are waiting for the next thing for the Lord to say to them he's waiting on you to do the last thing that he's commanded you to do that means he's not going to say anything further until you first do what he's already commanded you to do amen and so in ecclesiastics 2 and 26 it says that god gives wisdom knowledge and joy to those who please him who couldn't use more wisdom knowledge and joy when you please the lord This is a promise that it it comes when you please him, you get wisdom. There is knowledge and then there's joy. And it says, but if the sinner becomes wealthy, God takes the wealth away and gives it to those who please him. Amen. So we got to be in the place to receive it. We can't just uh, look upon the, the word that says, um, the the wealth of the wicked is, is laid up for the just. Here in Ecclesiastic it says how you get it. When you please the Lord, the wealth of the wicked, God will take from them and he gives to those who please him. So you, you want to be in the position where you're pleasing the Lord to receive the manifestation of this promise right here. And so as I close... There are so many scriptures and things that I would to to continue forth in, but I want to close with this. Many of you are probably saying to yourself, "How on earth can I can I please God? How is that even possible?" When we live in a world that's overwhelming, it's influential. You hear things on the radio, um, and we see so much, but we do this by first making the decision. We make the decision. That irrespective of what's going on in my life, I'm going to honor the Lord. He is my first priority. Amen. And so just as Jesus did, we need to position ourselves to say only and do only what the Lord has commanded. That is so important. Because our words have power. The, the Bible says life and death lies in the power of your tongue. But the rest of that says that those who, who speak, who, who say, will eat the fruit thereof. So the things that you say, you are the one who benefits from that. So the fruit that manifests from the things that you spew from your lips, it returns to you as fruit that you begin to receive. And who wants rotten fruit? And so even if your situation doesn't look good, there was never a time when I was unemployed where I did not honor the Lord. If I got $10, I gave unto the Lord because it was a sign of my worship. And so I can never be God-given. But the other thing is I watched the things that I say. I didn't say that I would never find a job. I never allowed that to come out of my mouth. I didn't say that I don't think the Lord really cares because I knew better, I knew that the Lord cares. And so the things that we say impact our lives, it'll change and there's a rolling domino effect. And so we don't wanna cash in on a lot of things that we say. So we wanna be careful with the words that we use. And so in Philippians 2 and 13, Is a scripture that I want to end with. It says, not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually at work in you. The Amplified says, energizing and creating in you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction in the light. So that's Philippians 2 and 13, and that's in the Amplified. And so if you're wondering, how do I please the Lord? Philippians 13 says that it it will never be in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while effectually working in you, energizing and creating in you the power and desire, which is important. He's giving you the substance. He's giving you the desire to keep moving on when you don't feel like you can. And so both to will and to work for his good pleasure and desire and delight. I'm sorry, for his good pleasure and delight. And that's Philippians 2 and 13. And so if you're checking in today, Um, I trust that you have gotten something out of this message. I trust that it has blessed you immensely. Um, It has been a joy to be able to dig through God's word on today. And I'm here to encourage you that it's not impossible to please the Lord. It first starts with a decision. It starts with a desire in the heart that irrespective of what it looks like, it is my priority to please the Lord amen and so if you're online tonight and you just so happen to not know who Jesus is I want to invite you to the opportunity to get to know one of the best persons in this lifetime that you would ever get to know he has the ability to change that very situation that you are living in today And so I want to invite you to get to know who this Jesus is. And so the Bible tells us in Romans that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that we shall be saved. And so today I want you to repeat this prayer to me. Father God, I thank you. And I know that I am in need of a savior. So I'm asking that you come into my heart cleanse me from my sins. I do believe that you died on the cross for my sins that you were buried and you rose again and I ask that you will be my savior in Jesus name. So if you prayed that prayer you are just as saved as I am and just as saved as anybody who has walked with the Lord for 30 40 50 years and so I commission you I encourage you to find a church home to get yourself planted into why because from this stage you need to be connected into a body of Christ that will continue to encourage you and teach you the ways of the Lord and if you're interested in finding out more about faith family church I ask that you text the word connect and we will send some information if you have made that confession and you have accepted jesus as your your lord and savior welcome to the family of faith and ask that you text the word jesus to 713-903-8533 we will love to hear your testimony about your new relationship that you are starting with the savior and then for those of you that have joined us my faith family Thank you guys. It has truly been a joy to sit with you today as we dig through the Bible and learned about the things that please the Lord. I love you all. Have a super, super blessed evening and I'll see you all on Sunday. Amen. Bye bye for now.